0: The MHI Industry Leadership Podcast brings together the solutions, providers, and thought leaders of the materials handling industry to talk about trends, technologies, solutions, and best practices to move the industry forward. Christian Dow is the executive vice president of membership and industry leadership at MHI. In each episode, Christian will be talking to the leaders and members of MHI's industry groups. Let's join him now. Good afternoon, Frank.
1: Good afternoon, Christian. I'm well, I'm well, Uh, how are you? I'm good. I'm really excited about this topic today. This is something that uh, is really important and uh, and not talked about enough
0: conveyor safety. I kind of, when, when you told me what the topic was, I kind of jokingly said, yeah, yeah, don't take a nap on the conveyor belt. I get it. But it it clearly is, it's a, it's a lot more involved and a lot more important than, than just that.
1: I think we'll find out more about how important and how involved it is and, and, and really how, you know, what to do and, and how companies can address safety issues in general with the, uh, with the guests we have today. Well, I sure
0: hope so, or we're going to have to kick these guys off.
1: Right. I'm kidding, right. but we do have a
0: couple of good guests here. Uh, first is uh, Ben Harper. He's the uh, Director of Safety Solutions for the Americas for Leutze Electronic. And uh, we also have Jeremy McCullough, who's the uh, Senior Product and Application Engineer at SEW EuroDrive uh, here in the US. So
1: welcome gentlemen. Why don't we start with uh, with Ben? Ben, tell us a little bit more about yourself and your experience with conveyor safety and safety in general.
2: Sure, no problem. Um, I- I am the director of safety solutions, like you said, with Lloyd's Electronic. I've, I've been involved with machine safety for probably a little over 25 years at this point. Um, and I am a CMSE, which is a certified machinery safety expert, if you don't know what that is. Um, and conveyor safety is something that is pretty near and dear to me. It's, it's a, a unique uh, part of machine safety that I think gets ignored too often. So I'm glad we're having this conversation today. Great.
1: Thank you, Ben. And, and Jeremy, why don't you tell us a little bit more about your experience in and your role and what you do with, with SEW?
3: Sure. So I'm a product engineer. I support um, mainly motion control. Um, so VFDs, motorists, things like that. And um, conveyors, that's, that's a large part of what we do and the, the customers that we serve. Um, I've been working with machine safety specifically for over 10 years now, um, just supporting you know our customers, their needs, you know, answering questions and things like that. And um, I think um, also I think conveyor safety is, is interesting because you see it a lot. You know, you look at like a distribution center or something and there's conveyors all around. People are all around. And it's not something that's like a robot cell where you have a fence or something around it. So it's kind of out there in the open. It's kind of ubiquitous. And so safety is a big concern um, for that.
1: Yeah, they're they're everywhere and a lot of times conveyors are kind of integrated as a portion of a piece of equipment and now actually conveyors will be rolling around on the floor with with AMRs and 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 things like that having them on top. So there's a lot of uh, it seems like it's going to be a lot more even more accessible or more around uh people in facilities as, you know, as we go forward and as facilities go from not automated to fully automated. Um, so what are some other areas where you think or, or reasons that you think conveyor safety is important, Ben?
2: Uh, well, c- conveyor safety, you, you hit on it a little bit in your comment just now, is that it, it often gets seen as an ancillary piece of equipment. So when you're looking at a, at a factory or facility with lots of production machinery in it, uh, oftentimes the conveyance systems that go in between those pieces of machinery get ignored. And so somebody might really do a good job of approaching the machine safety on their production machines, but then not do a very good job on the conveyance systems and the conveyors that go in between. And Unless you're in a big warehouse facility where the conveyance system really is the main piece of equipment, then it it can easily be ignored. So so it's an important thing uh, to pay attention to, um, even though it's outside the realm of that normal production equipment. I think that's a good way to look at it. And, and you know, according to Bureau of Labor Statistics, there's probably—I think it says—nine thousand reportable injuries a year due to conveyor injury, and something like forty deaths per year. So it's a very serious topic that gets overlooked far too often.
1: What do you think the reason is for for that? Is it just not people not being aware or educating their their employees? Is it not putting the right safety devices in place is it not is it not training them how to use those safety devices yeah. is it wearing loose clothing uh, I, and is it you know things like that where they're not supposed to be wearing you know things that can get stuck and and pulled into mm-hmm. uh, conveyors what what do you think Ben? i,
2: I think it's i think it's multifaceted and, and that if you're talking about a newer plant with with new machinery in it the conveying systems uh can be looked at as ancillary, like I said before. But if you're oftentimes when we get called to do risk assessment work, for instance, on conveyor systems, it's because there's a conveyor that's been there for 30 or 40 or more years. And so often what we find, we go in and and look at these conveyors and there's lots of open spaces with, with exposed gears and exposed belting where you can have risk of uh, you know, nip points, kind of uh, uh, pinch points that are easily uh, identified, but get ignored because they're not part of the main production equipment in the factory, um, and and particularly things like entanglements where you you mentioned loose clothing and things in there. If, if your employees aren't properly trained and and they're their, their PPE is not correct and they go in very, wearing very loose fitting clothing, even if it's just a maintenance operator doing a normal maintenance type task of lubricating a gear or something. That's where a lot of those kind of accidents happen because the safety just hasn't been addressed uh, on those types of conveyors, particularly the older ones. The newer ones uh, often have a little better guarding on them, but, but still leave a lot to be desired, honestly.
1: Jeremy, what are your thoughts?
3: Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would agree that sometimes it just the safety gets overlooked because the conveyor is sometimes, I mean, the focus isn't on that. You know, you you buy these big fancy pieces of equipment in between, um, and they come with you know, for example, detailed safety instructions from the manufacturer, maybe, and then a convey- conveyor could be, for example, just a commodity um, sort of thing that glues it together, and then you know, material passes, and so that could be another reason why um, the focus isn't on. You know the safety of the conveyor because it's just it's just a, it's just a small part yeah go ahead ben
2: yeah and one other thought that i have about that is is even on new systems often today particularly in the u.s people have a tendency to believe that because a piece of equipment is new that they that they bought this piece of equipment new that that automatically means that the safety has been accounted for uh when it's installed and, and that's not altogether true i i know that oems in the u.s are getting better and better Uh, with the safety uh, of their machinery and conveying systems. But uh, in the end, in the US, the end user, the owner of the machine, the owner of the conveyor is the person who's responsible for the safety on it. So you can't always assume that just because a piece of equipment is new means that it's safe. and especially for something like a conveyor, because the conveyor may have been even an afterthought a little bit, you know, they focused on the production machinery. They, we know how many widgets we need to make. We have the right machinery to do it. And now we have this packaging line, for instance, at the end, and there's a long conveyor that goes with it. So they buy a conveyor from uh, XYZ company, and they may do a very good job with the safety on the conveyor. But once the conveyor is installed on that line, it becomes a whole new part of a system that that really needs to be looked at and addressed because it can leave gaps and openings that need to be uh, that need to have the safety uh, done in the right way.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna put it over to Frank in a second. But one thing that's really Im- important to to note is if if a manufacturer sends equipment to Europe or to you know a lot of other regions of the world. The manufacturer is responsible for that piece of equipment to be safe. Here in the US is typically on the owner and operator of the equipment to make sure it's safe for their employees and so it's not on the manufacturer. So a lot of times that's things right, that, right. that go one direction or go out of, you know, are exported, you know, will have different safety features on it than than equipment that stays here right from the manufacturer.
2: Particularly for equipment that's going to the European market or to somewhere like Brazil, in Europe, they have their CE marking process where, where you have to have all the documentation for the risk assessment and a technical construction file and all those things. But even then, if, some, if you send a conveyor to the European market, that conveyor by itself can have a CE mark, but then when it gets integrated into a system, that system then needs to be uh, uh not not have a brand new risk assessment done on necessarily, but that needs to be accounted for in the CE documentation altogether. And the same thing goes for Brazil. They have their own standard there. So other places in the world do. in the US, it doesn't. Um, so even if you buy if you buy a piece of machinery like a conveyor from uh, one of the European suppliers, for instance, the conveyor that they sell to the European market might not be exactly the same as the conveyor that they sell to the U.S. market because they don't have to account for that same CE standard. Yeah.
1: Frank, what are your thoughts? That This is terrifying. That's what my thoughts are, Christian. <laughs> this, is, this sounds
0: awful. Like, right. So I'm sitting here like that seems like a huge gap. I mean, that is a real problem, right? I mean, you've got two different sets of standards. You've got, and it sounds like a bunch of guys who say they're car enthusiasts got together and they're like, engine, 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 engine. Oh, interior, interior. And then somebody was like, Should we have tires? Yeah, yeah, tires, tires, whatever. Right? I mean, like, that's not gonna like, Should we have (laughs) seatbelts? Yeah, right. Yeah, sure. Yeah, exactly. Like, like, oh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, seatbelts, seat belts, fine, it's fine, fine. fine. yeah. Tie a rope around you, it's fine, it'll be fine, you know, like and 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 there seems to be like this critical piece that somebody is just like and, and you know, Christian, you said it in the introduction, you said they're ubiquitous, and I'm, I'm starting to hear, and it's funny because I'm sort of seeing this trend a little bit in a number of guests that we've talked to is ubiquitous equals dangerous in a way. Right. Not just because there's a lot more of it, but because there tends to be just sort of this because it's so common. It's like wallpaper. And you're like, "Eh, nobody really pays that much attention to wallpaper unless the wallpaper can kill you. You should pay attention to the wallpaper. right? Right. And so that seems like there's a pretty big gap here. And so I'm really curious about like, I mean, so what do we do for crying out loud? How do you how do you make that assessment? And then, I mean, like, you know, we hear about a lot of things in this industry where there's all kinds of little sensors and, you know, little things that tell you, and you've got all kinds of data. It's like, Oh, grease, you know, gear number three with, you know, two squirts or something. They can get really down in the weeds about how to, how to be safe and to maintain this stuff. But it, are there things like that? What, what are the things that are, are used to uh, Jeremy? I, you're the engineer. I'm going to ask you.
3: Sure. Um, so, I mean, not to be, I mean, I guess so uh, pessimistic about it. I, I mean, I've kind of noticed. Oh, go trend. ahead.
0: Well, we're all, I mean, it's <laughs> Why not? Let's just dive right in. <laughs>
3: Um, I I think, I mean, I've noticed, I mean, at least the customers that I deal with, um, there has been a trend where safety has been more of a concern. Um, and yes, there are some gaps like, you know, like, like we talked about, but there's more focus and attention on that. Um, I think, you know, if I think 10 years ago, some of that stuff would be an afterthought and now it's like, okay, yes, we definitely need to have a plan to, to handle that. Um, but I mean, as far as things that can be done, um, risk assessments, um, I mean, that's, basically uh you know the the root of, of all machine safety is you have to do a risk assessment and I think um you know end users even though they're ultimately responsible um I think some end users they kind of assume that the equipment's going to have you know the risk assessment done and it's going to be in the manual what all they have to do but um the end user has responsibility too they have to look at you know the equipment they're getting in the environment that they have the the way that you know their production processes work and you know how their employees are and they have to come up with a plan to make it safe because ultimately they're they're the ones that are going to be responsible um and so risk assessments definitely they're a tool to kind of look and identify those gaps in safety and come up with a plan to address them and so i think that's that's basically the first step um of you know to addressing things like this
1: yeah you know you talk about risk assessments that's typically done for smaller companies they'll have somebody come in and, and do that if they even think to do that um, larger companies, you'll, you know, you do. You both think that that most larger companies have somebody on every site that is responsible for, like a safety manager or or something oh, along that let line. Let me
0: guess. And, Hold the, on. I, I think I can guess on this one, Christian. Not a chance. I'm People, seeing some disagreement. <laughs> okay. So, um, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm I'm I'm, a, I, I. I do want to hear. To
2: the, yeah, the, the answer to that question from from my side is that usually, uh, you know, even the larger company, you know, especially the larger companies, maybe they do have someone on site who's responsible for it. But that person is often responsible for a lot. Um, if you have an EHS manager or an engineering manager who technically the, the machine safety and, and for conveyors for the sake of this discussion are might be responsible for it, but they might also be responsible for uh, the hygiene of the plant, you know, if they have dust collectors and those things, EHS people are often experts at that sort of thing and tracking MSDS sheets and all that sort of thing. So they're not really machine safety experts there. So so even when they have the somebody in charge doesn't mean that that person is really an expert on machine safety. And even if they do have people there that are experts on machine safety, Often the larger companies have bandwidth issues where they don't really have time uh, to to address all the machine safety needs. So they bring in third parties like Loitza and people to come and look at that sort of stuff and help them with it, um, even with things like writing their standards for machine safety, their corporate standards and that sort of thing. But uh, to go back to something you were talking about a minute ago, you, you were saying um, – that new machines people make the assumption sometimes that those machines are safe. I would advise, uh, the the audience that to this podcast, that when they're in the process of buying the piece of machinery, they ask the OEM to provide that because maybe they don't all the time, but they should ask all of their OEMs to provide the risk assessment when they buy that new machinery so that they have that documentation on hand.
1: Yeah. What What are your thoughts, Jeremy? Yeah,
3: exactly. Um, I mean, another reason why you would want to do that, of course, you know, if they have a risk assessment, then it's good to be able to look and and see what they've come up with and what measures, you know, already exist on the equipment. Um, But it also, it's a chance where if if an end user, they're buying a piece of equipment and they look at that risk assessment, they can see, were there any gaps, you know, in the way, this is how the manufacturer intended that, you know, us to use it, but okay, do we see any issues with the way that we're actually going to deploy and use it? Um, And sometimes there's a chance to kind of step in there and say, okay, well, we noticed that you don't have this can can we get that added um so it's a chance um to kind of collaborate and end up with a safer end result
1: yeah i'm going to yeah. give an example of a risk assessment years ago i was called in to do a risk assessment osha went into this manufacturer in, in colorado and they made the uh, the wire rebar ties and so it's not really conveyor but it's it's all rotating equipment right and so they made the the, the ties a tie rebar together. And it was one long continuous machine all run off of one motor and it would cut wires into length and then bend them up and form them into like a bow and then pop them out at the other end. And I walk in, I'm like, what are you looking for? Oh, we want to put a light curtain on here. You know, okay. You know, like, can you show me what happens to the machine when it shuts down? He goes, sure. Hits the e-stop button and it takes about 40 to 50 seconds for the machine to actually stop rotating, <laughs> And I said, the light curtains would have to be in the parking lot. <laughs> like there's no way like somebody, you know, with risk assessments, you're like somebody could run and jump into the machine. You have to be able to stop it or have some, some way to grab an e-stop or, or pull or something. If somebody is in, in serious trouble, right. And in, in to, to be able to stop it and you have, you know, so, so, for for let's start with Ben. You do risk assessments, Ben. What are some of the things you look at for for risk assessment? Right, there's different levels of the the injury or consequences of a of an incident. Right, let's talk about that. Sure,
2: what, sure. When when we do a risk assessment, it's a very in depth process where we. We go through we identify the limits of the machine what it can really do how fast is it running you know all those things that we look at we identify every obvious hazard from an operator's standpoint who's near the machine what hazards are they exposed to you look at the severity of injury this potential you look at the likelihood of avoidance um, of being able to avoid that particular hazard and and then you assign ultimately a performance level at the end of it so when we do a risk assessment we do a very in-depth job of looking at all those things we also interview all the operators and all the maintenance, uh, the people that work on that conveyor to, to understand exactly what their tasks are so that we can, uh, we can clearly and accurately identify the hazards of their actual job function and what they're doing. And then we start looking at applying um, so, you know remediation to those hazards as we identify those hazards. And it might be part of a control system. It might be uh, training that person, that operator, that maintenance person to do their job in a different way. It might even be something as simple as signage or something to help avoid that hazard depending on what it is. But in the end, it's a very in-depth report that gets that gets done so that, so that everybody can understand exactly the hazards on the machine, the corrective actions that have been taken to try to remediate those hazards to avoid those accidents so, so that you can have as much of an injury-free workplace as you possibly can.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna. Uh, so one of the things I've found in my years of working with manufacturing is if guards and and measures are taken that are that prohibit mm-hmm. or severely de- uh, are a detriment to somebody's ability to do the work, they'll be either moved around or or removed. Right? So they'll, they'll, the the workers will yep. find a workaround, or they'll they'll physically remove the guards and take them off and and things like that. So it has to be something that works well with the workflow um you know jerry have you had that experience sure. jeremy
3: yeah for sure um yeah i mean i think a lot of times you know you present all these safety measures and, and things um actually something comes to mind there's like a it's like a kind of a joke image online the osha cowboy um that has you know it's <laughs> like a, a horse and he has all this like protection and PPE, and it's basically like he can't he can't be a cowboy he's got all this stuff on um so yeah i would agree like you don't want you know safety to be like overly onerous because they're they're you know, it's just gonna get bypassed or, or worked around. Um, but I think one of the nice things that we have now, I mean, there's a lot of safety technology out there, so you don't actually have to, you know, stop, you know, the complete line. I think the way that everything used to be is if you had an emergency stop, you would just kill the 480 on the entire machine and then you have to restart it, everything has to start up again. Um, but now, um, I mean, speaking with like frequency inverters and things, so you have ways to safely disable a drive and prevent motion without um Without having to power completely down, um, you can also do things like limit the speed and have that speed monitored. You know to make sure that you know the speed and the force is effectively limited. And um, there's ways that you can you know leverage a lot of the technology and safety in in order to kind of find like a like a happy medium. You, you know you're achieving the proper amount of risk reduction, but you're also not you know impacting um, you know production or your processes you know negatively.
1: So let's look at some of the the hazards specifically around uh when you're considering conveyor safety what are some of the things that uh that that you need to consider when you're looking at conveyor and it's and and we can talk about different types of conveyor: belt conveyor roller conveyor or mdr you know different things a lot of times mdr if you're doing lighter objects and things that they're they're inherently safe because there just isn't enough torque to hurt you right um, you know, but, but other, other types of, uh, you know, maybe where you're dealing with a conveyor that, that isn't so torque limited, um, or, or things, what are some of the other areas where, uh, areas that need to be addressed when you're looking at your conveyors and determining whether it's safe or what you need to do to make it safe, Ben?
2: Yeah, Well, the the obvious things that we think about are things like nip points where you might nip a fingertip or something between, uh, you know, two belts on a belt conveyor or something, for instance, or, uh or a pinch point where you may get a finger smashed or a hand smashed or something. in it. the, the entanglements are the ones that that are really terrifying to me where you have a really high torque on a, on a big conveyor and you get a piece of clothing, like you said earlier, or a hand or something entangled in it. I, I really hate to say, but I've been called in many times where, um, some par- part of a safety system had been removed, a hard guard had been removed or something because somebody thought it would be easier for them to do their job, um, which is why there's specific standards and rules about how to mount those things. So it's not so easy to do that. But And, and, which, and then you can have really serious sort of dismemberment and death um, situations where somebody gets pulled into a conveyor. And it's not always just the conveyor that's the That's the hazard. If you get entangled in a conveyor uh, where you get pulled onto the conveyor, you run a high risk, depending on what kind of machine it is, of getting pulled into a much more dangerous uh, sort of situation into another machine um, where, you know, really bad things can happen. It well, is, but and I've think about this. Been on site afterwards. Think, things, think about think really about terrible. where
1: conveyors are used as well, right? I mean, it's so w- mm-hmm. we're MHI, so this is the material handling industry, and a lot of times we think about what we do is within the four walls of a distribution center, but conveyors are mm-hmm. used for you know mining. Right. And where you're right. pulling, you know, rock into or or whatever you're mining into something to be ground and and things like that. And, they, you know, that's obviously the a lot of weight. Industry,
2: for instance.
1: Yeah. Pulp and paper. You know, uh, yeah, there's other industries where conveyors are very dangerous and could be you really uh, end up doing a lot of serious injury. And and obviously death is, you know, the, the main the biggest concern, but a loss of a hand, loss of a finger, loss of, you know, it, you know, the nip is also important but but you really you know there, it really can be much much more seriously than the pinching a finger um mm-hmm. so but and and that's the thing is conveyors yes we're talking you know with this group with this focus on in in warehousing distribution manufacturing but conveyors are uh you know used across a lot of different industries and and can depending on where you are and what they're doing and the amount of load that they're moving can can be uh, completely different in how they are, in, how the assessment would be, uh, look at them. Right. Mm. So Jeremy, what, te- you, what are your oh, thoughts on, 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 on that com- comment, as far as the, the the entanglement hazards and pinch points and, and things like that and the severity and what are some other areas that you think should be addressed when you're looking at a conveyor?
3: Um, I think one important thing to consider is like how, would somebody actually end up getting exposed to those hazards? Because you have the hazard itself, and then you have, you know, the realities of, you know, the workplace, you know, that would, you know, get somebody in close proximity with those. And so um, it's important to think about things like, I don't know, um, reasons why somebody would have to approach a conveyor. Maybe they're constantly loading things on. And so that's that's one thing. Maybe it's something where the conveyor is not normally accessible. Maybe it's kind of up in the air or, you know, on a mezzanine or something, and somebody has to go up there to clear a jam. Um, and it's important to think about, you know, all of the um, the circumstances that would surround, you know, somebody getting close to that. And um, depending on what those are, you know, that can affect how you how you handle it. Um, and one example would be so I think um, I was working with a customer one time, an airline customer, and they were saying hey, it's, it's standard practice, right? Whenever there's a, a baggage jam that they press. A stop button, and then they actually climb up and get on the conveyor, and then they they go and free the the jam. Um, but if that's a standard practice, I'm not saying it's it's right or wrong. That that was what they were doing in their case. Um, you want to think about okay, if they have to press this button, what sort of controls can I put in place to make sure that that conveyor doesn't all of a sudden move? You know, whenever they're on it, and so those right. things Common, are also commonly
1: important. called like a lockout tagout procedure, right? Would be one mm-hmm. one example of that, right? So that somebody else just can't start the conveyor. While you're yeah, exactly. in there or on it and not even visible. Right. And, and where you're talking about in baggage handling, another great example, uh, you know, they can climb up in areas where somebody, they can't be seen, you know, that could not be visible from where somebody could reset the machine from. Right.
3: Yeah, exactly. Um, so you, you have to kind of come up with a plan for that. I mean, not just to forget, protect against the, you know, the, the hazard itself, but all the, the things that, you know, surround that and the, um, the circumstances and the scenarios. The human error. Go ahead, Frank. Okay. I'm just going to tell you,
0: this sounds an awful lot like some sort of a horror movie. Like everything you said, like, and I can just see these things in my head. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, Jim Bob's down in the in the belly of the beast down there and he's got a broom handle and he's trying to knock a, you know, a, 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 something loose to, to get the conveyor rolling again. Oh, and it grabs a broom oh, and then pretty soon he sucked it. Yeah, I don't know. It, it just seems to me that uh, there's got to be some sort of standard, some sort of something. I mean, outside of just a, a safety check, are what sorts of technologies are there? Things that we're doing that will keep guys safer, gals safer than just oh yeah yeah. I we put up the fence. They took the fence down. Oh well, there's there some you know are there sensors? Are there things like what? What are some of the latest and greatest kinds of things that are are uh, coming out to to keep people from being <laughs> from being drugged in, and then you can see the next scene where the. You know everything's just dripping out the other. It sounds terrible. I by the I way, think that's me.
1: Terminator died in one of the See, movies. This is what I'm saying. Into <laughs> a conveyor, like it really, literally. You were Frank. I think you thought before this episode that you should be afraid of the robots. No, you should no. be afraid of the conveyors first. There's, <laughs> exactly. there's a lot more yeah. of them.
0: I mean, they beat the they beat the Terminator. We don't have to worry. But you know, it's, it is funny. I mean, we're kind of joking about it or whatever. But like, I really did when we started the episode. and When I saw what this was, I was like, how complicated can this be? You know, I, I'm sincerely, I wasn't trying to be glib or anything. I mean, I guess I figured it was dangerous, but it, like truly I thought, yeah, keep your hand off the freaking thing. Like how hard can this be? But there's just so many things happening all at once in succession, you're trying to make numbers, you're trying to do these other things. There's there's a lot of pressure in those rooms, I imagine. And so you're doing anything you can to keep this thing going and keep it moving. And, and sometimes you're just not as attentive as you should be, I guess. But
1: Well, and I think yeah. you asked a great question because we, what we have here is two technology companies, two technology experts from two yeah. companies that develop yeah. the technologies that I think they can give some insight on what are the trends and technologies that uh, um, you know are, are emerging that that will help make this industry safer and we'll start yeah. with we'll start with you jeremy i mean from the SCTV how are you going to save me jeremy motors yeah that's what i want to know how are you going <laughs> to say you're going to do it
3: sure so um i mean in in my world you know drives vfds it's it's basically they're the source of the motion and so um what you have now is abilities to 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 stop a drive without having to completely shut everything down and, and reboot it so you have um, safe torque off. That's probably one of the most common safety functions you have, and that's basically just a way of disabling the drive so the output transistors can't switch, the motor can't produce torque, and then you don't get hazardous motion. Um, in cases where that's not, you know, acceptable, like where you still have to have the motion, you still want things to move, you can, you know, monitor things. So you have things like safety encoders that report the speed reliably back to some sort of monitoring device or controller that can, um, that can shut it down if it gets too fast. Um, and then I think. Other things is, uh, you know, you hear about all the safety technology and, and maybe like 10, 20 years ago, it all seemed like it was very complicated. But there are also some things that just make it easier to implement uh, without having to do all of this extra engineering and configuration work, you know, which can get intimidating. But things like, you know, safety just being built into the drive rather than you having to buy all these option cards and configure them separately Um other things like if you have like a field bus protocol like Ethernet IP or, or ProfiNet, you have a way to overlay like safety information and do that safely so you don't have to have additional wiring. And so there's a lot of things out there now that make everything um, easier so that safety it and of course it's very important, but um, it makes it, I guess, easier to design and to implement and you know, put it into practice without having to to add all this additional cost and effort.
1: Yeah, Ben, tell us a little bit about kind of your perspective on that same question about the technologies and solutions that, 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 that you're seeing that are, you know, emerging these days.
2: Yeah, sure. Uh, you know Jeremy's exactly right. In the terms of drives and stuff, that's one of the first things that I ask customers when we get engaged, in that sort of project is how old their drives are, and do they have the safe to work off? Uh, type option on their drives. And obviously, from a sensing perspective, there's lots of technology that gets applied in, in conveyor safety. You know, obviously, you have the, the hard guarding and things that get used on on conveyors, but things like light curtains, um, things like laser scanners for area scanning to make sure there's nobody in the area while the conveyor's running uh, if you're in a hazardous area. There's new technology uh, for things like uh, safe radar that works similarly to a laser scanner, but more in a three-dimensional way with the radar. It's a very unique, interesting area-guarding type of technology. So there's lots of technology out there to be taken advantage of. But uh, more importantly, I think, really is is approaching your safety in the right way. We started this conversation off today talking about risk assessment, but if you follow really the full machinery safety life cycle, which is not a Boitza term, that's an industry term of, about how to approach machine safety. And it basically starts with risk assessment and then safety concept based on the risk assessment and then um, uh, safety design after that and designing your safety circuitry in the right way. Implementing that that safety design uh, the way that it's supposed to be and then and then verification and validation at the end of that machinery's life cycle to make sure that everything's installed the proper way and if you follow those steps and you have the right experience and expertise to apply those new technologies uh, in the right way with the safe twerk off with the drive with the safety PLCs with the safety devices that can be applied to that safety that to that uh, conveyor and the application whatever application you're looking at. Then you can really assure yourself that you're doing a good job with the safety, particularly if you have the right people doing it with the right kind of expertise.
1: Yeah. So, Ben, you know, I, I think you're versed on some of the safety standards and resources that people, when when mm-hmm. you're looking at your your equipment, what standards and, and pieces are you do you need to look at? And then also that that goes to what OSHA is looking at, because OSHA doesn't create standards, right? They sure. enforce standards. Right. So what are the things they're right. going to look at? What are the things you should be looking at when you're looking at your own equipment?
2: I'm glad that you said that about OSHA writing standards, because I way too often. I no, We write standards. Uh, <laughs> we
1: write, write right. I write standards right. for ANSI. So we yeah. So right. It's very, I,
2: yeah. I encounter customers who, who say that they you know, they just want to be OSHA compliant. That's all they care about. But they really don't know what that means. And and OSHA doesn't write standards. OSHA, right, has the general duty clause, you know, that, that it just basically says everybody has to provide a safe work environment for their employees. Uh, and then they have the Code of Federal Regulations and subpart so zero of that that applies to machine safety. But there, other than that, they refer to other standards, whether they're ANSI standards or ISO standards, or in the case of conveyor safety, an ASME standard, which is the ASME B20-2021, I think is what it's called. And that's been adopted into the ANSI B11 or the, yeah, the B11.19 standard. Um, and, and so you have A, B, and C type standards. A standards being very general type of machine safety. B standards being um, application sort of specific or, or product type specific. And C level standards that are very specific to certain types of machinery. And that ASME standard is one that's specific to conveyor safety so for the for the podcast audience if you have conveyor safety applications you're looking at that ASME standard is the one that you really need to be looking at it's the yeah it's the ASME B20.1-2021 excellent
1: jeremy any other, any other resources you can think of that, uh, that that are relevant
3: um so i mean of course the the standards themselves they're they're um they're good and and I, before i had any experience with standards you know, I, I figured they'd be this, you know, terribly technical and, you know, hard to kind of digest sort of thing. But, you know, when you read some of them, like, you know, the NCB11 standards, it's actually, it's it makes a lot of sense. And it's not, you know, it's not quite as like dense or, or hard to decipher as I would have imagined. And so the standards themselves are, if you have access to them, of course, you know, many of them you have to buy or subscribe to some service to be able to read them. Um, that's That's great to go through. I think if you're in the Position where you're having to, you know, make some decisions regarding machine safety. Like certainly, you should read through that. Um, If that's not possible, or if you want to supplement that, I I guess I'll put it that way. um, Then, of course, you can, you know, look at, um, you know, industry publications, um, you know, presentations that industry groups are putting on. um, MHI, for example, um, we Ben and I were a part of a talk um, earlier this year at Promat um, for that, and so those. Um, those talks and publications and things are all published online. You can read and, and get some information and learn a little bit more about machine safety. Um, and then you can also reach out to you know your suppliers. If you have you know vendor suppliers, you know whether it's OEMs or you know component manufacturers, they also probably have application engineers that can answer questions you know that you have about specific things. And so you can reach out to them um, and just get I guess more you know a broader perspective on on how to approach things.
1: I think one thing we haven't really talked about that's really really important is the training aspect. And and one thing that that in my previous role what we did every year was you know we offered training and we'd say, you know, you're a customer of ours whatever you're buying equipment, but let's put a let's come in and do training on how to do risk assessments. Let's talk about the standard, you know, the different types of of injuries and things like that and then also the types of safety devices in your in your facility and and you know and other safe practices of how to uh you know because it's great there's an e-stop right there is a great there's a rope stop rope pull right there but if you don't know that's how to stop that machine if you don't know that that's the thing that's going to stop the you know your buddy from being pulled in the machine or you being able to reach it or you don't put them in an area where where you can get to it if you're in, in trouble um, you know, then then that can cause the issue, and I think training is something that that is a is a is a pretty big thing that's often missed. Ben, what are your thoughts? I know you probably have done some trainings in the past for customers.
2: <laughs> I, I have. We we've done a ton of training for customers, and you know, Loich is one of those companies that offers you know the risk assessment and solution type service. And every time that we do that, we offer a training for all of the operators and the maintenance people and anybody that's. Involved in that machinery, but uh, to a bigger point, I think that, that t- to address what you're talking about, I think the the culture of safety at, at most of the companies in the U.S. is something that it's in, it's improving. I've seen it improve over the last 20 or 25 years for sure, uh, but it has a long way to go. Um, and and I think far too often companies train their employees on the proper PPE to wear, um, the proper lanes to walk in for forklift traffic and that sort of thing in their plant. But I, I don't think that everybody always does a, a nearly in-depth enough, enough job of the types of things you're talking about, of training their employees on what the real hazards are of the machinery in their plant um, and training them on the actual devices that they use, you know, at the plant and training them on the proper way um, to, to use an e-stop and when to use it. I see companies, operators all the time who use the e-stop buttons as just a way to stop the machine in general, which is something you should never do. I mean, that just shouldn't be common practice in a plant to hit an e-stop button just to stop a machine for a, a normal uh, maintenance task, for instance. Um, but but the training is a big deal, and it's something that doesn't happen. And, and I, I wish that more people in the U.S. would – uh, focus on that machine safety part of the training, and not just not just the PPE, or not just the hazardous materials in the plant, and that sort of stuff, because it's, it's something I think uh, is severely overlooked. You're kind of you're kind of battling uphill on that, aren't
0: you? Because really, in our, I mean, I hate to say it. Look, three, look here you go. Three of us on this call. Me, Ben, and Jeremy all are in South Carolina. We don't even require you to wear a motorcycle helmet if you don't want to on the roads. So we like we ain't exactly known for, you know, let's be safe, right? And it's that, that very kind of American, uh, which I appreciate, you know, super liberty. But at the same time, it means that we don't really focus on personal safety as a value. And certainly not as, you know, we, we're much more interested in I'll do it my way. Thanks very much. If I want to lose my finger in a pinch point, I will, you know, up yours, whatever. Right. So you're kind of really battling uphill on this,
1: aren't you? Yeah, I'll give you, a, I'll give you an example of the opposite right. though, but I'm going to hear from Ben first and then I'll, I'll give you the, the opposite example. Go ahead, Ben.
2: I, I was going to say, unfortunately, there's a lot of truth to that because the number of, of plants in the U S that I've been into where, Um, If I see something uh, in a plant and say, you know, hey, you really should address this. This is pre-consulting. You know, this is something that I see that's dangerous. I'm going to go ahead and tell you you should address it. Often I get the answer, oh, we've been doing it that way for 30 years. Nobody's ever gotten hurt. I I can promise you that only means nobody's been hurt yet. Uh, If you look at the calculations for how to calculate performance levels and safety and things, there's a reason that zero is never an option uh, in, in calculations for exposure, uh, you know, likelihood of avoidance of a hazardous uh, point on a machine because there's no such thing as zero. If it hasn't happened yet, it's going to eventually. And, and I mean that. And, and I see way too often, maybe in the Southeast and South Carolina, Fred gets worse. <laughs> I don't know, but, but I get a whole lot of, we've been doing it that way for 30 years. Nobody's ever got hurt. We're not worried about it. Well, like I, until think- somebody gets hurt and then they call me.
1: I think it's industry by industry too, because frankly, the opposite, what I found true to be in oil and gas, in one very large oil and gas company, before every meeting, they they brought up a safety topic. Anybody could bring it up, but the first 10 minutes of every meeting that was 45 minutes or longer had to be on a safety topic, right?
2: That's process industry though, and it's a little bit different. Yeah. Yeah. Process industry like oil and gas is a little bit different. You're right.
1: Right. But it's just industry by industry and how that, but it, but I took that practice when I became president of Panther Industries and we started talking about it in our facility, right? Because we had our own machine shop. We had it, to, you know, and somebody would say, okay, we need to, we don't have the right fire extinguishers for the type of, you know, activities we're doing in the machine shop. We need to have this and this. It's like, great. So we went and, you know, made sure we did that. It was something the company was doing years before I got there. And we just never, if, we, if somebody didn't bring that up, we wouldn't have known to go and and change those out, or putting guards on on machines that we were using to to cut parts and cut pieces, and um, you know, or or um, you, you know, but but it really is a the collective group has to know when they see something. One thing that that we had was an employee continually climbed racks and then also used a uh, an eighteen foot ladder that had a broken top on it. Somebody pointed that out, so I took it to the machine shop and they cut it into little bitty pizzas so we'd stop using it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess that's one solution, isn't it? <laughs> you know, but it, it it has to be something uh-huh. where like zero is your you know like there's no no excuse, no. We we have to get to a point where everybody is safe and not doing things that are that are risky, you know, and and it's just the importance of that and it really. Yeah, that's a cultural thing within a company, right? It's something where everybody is a part of it. It's not just a somebody's responsibility. It's everybody's responsibility. You know, the biggest... So one of the groups that MHI manages is the Rack Manufacturers Institute, right? Right. And forklifts bump into racks and racks that have been damaged are very dangerous, right? Because you're putting mm-hmm. loads and loads and loads up high. And you've seen those videos where somebody bumps into a rack. And then because the structure is damaged or that wasn't the properly sized rack in the first place, the whole the one rack comes down and then domino affects the entire facility, right? And I can't even imagine what it's like to be one of those people that have been buried under whatever it was on the racks that you see in those videos. It's crazy, but so, mm. but yeah, so I, I culture, uh, anything to add Jeremy to the kind of the culture aspect of, of safety.
3: Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, it starts with the culture. It starts with the, you know, the values of, of the company all the way from the management, you know, going down, um, because let's be honest, like safety, all the things we talked about, this takes effort, you know, resources, um, in order to implement properly. Um, and they don't, I mean, they don't directly, um, it's something like you can easily look at as like it's an additional cost, and it doesn't directly, you know, have an impact on my bottom line or my efficiency or things like that. But if something were to happen, then it has a very, very big impact, and then it will become important. Um, so it's, it's. I think it's also about having the foresight to, to realize like safety is actually important, and that all of these things, risk assessments, you know, safety technology, you know, safe measures, training, all of this is worth doing in the, in the long run.
2: We, we talked about that at the, at the event that, Jeremy, where you and I spoke at Promat about that specifically and about the cost of ignoring safety and what it costs in the U.S. And the statistics are that it costs over $70 billion a year in lost, in lost revenue due to uh, machine safety accidents, not just conveyors specifically, but machine safety accidents in general that conveyors certainly contribute to that are really, you know, you can't say 100%, but a lot of it is preventable. Um and, and it goes to the culture of those companies, of, of all of the companies in the US. And it's the responsibility of those companies to not only develop the culture, but the budgets that go behind that culture to to go with it. Because I it far too often you're right. They say you know, I hear people say, Well, you know, we know that we need to do some safety, but there it doesn't there's not really a budget for it because uh you know, we had to put all of our budget into this new machine or whatever the case may be. So I, I I always encourage people not don't just change the culture but fight for the budget in your plant to make sure that you you get the safety that you need. Yeah. I, a lot of times what I've seen you have to the, be your own advocate. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and a lot of times what I've seen is that it, uh older equipment it's you know it's it's difficult, you know, to to figure out how to make it safe, right? You're going to have to change things around, change the control system on it, change the you know, how how you're doing things. Mm-hmm. But one thing you can do is when you buy new equipment, it's cheaper to buy new equipment that is made safe than it is to buy equipment, then make it safe later, right? It's, and it's better in the long run because it's purpose built with that safety built in rather than trying to add something later. And so, you know, uh, better to do it as a forethought than an afterthought
2: in the long run. Um, Frank. Design phase risk assessment.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Frank, did you learn anything today? Yes, I'm never going to work uh, in a warehouse with a lot of conveyors. That's what I've learned today, and and I'm going to wear an, a suit of armor. And I don't even know. No, uh, truthfully, you know, yet again, uh, always am kind of uh, just taken aback at at the the level of professionalism that has to be employed in every aspect of this business. Um, and if you're really and not to, I, I, I have no doubt that you know Leutze and SCW are drive are are top of the top, right? But but you can't just have like, you know, Chuck in a truck come over and be like, hey, man, our conveyors broken. Can you take a peek? You know, like you're, you're going to hurt somebody. This is, this is really high end, uh, very technical, uh, you know, very, very sophisticated equipment. And I, I think that as we've talked about safety here today, but also as we've referenced it in other episodes and things like that, like you, you almost have to have someone who that's their only job. That's their only focus, whether it's internal or external. H- however, you you decide to employ that, but man, you, you know, getting too caught up in the numbers and and saying, hey, we, we just want to push more product through here because we got to get more profit through here, and not looking at this as a as an investment toward your bottom line, you know, by making sure that you don't have big problems, I think is a, is a huge mistake. And, uh, and so I, I super interesting to hear what you guys are talking about, especially, I mean, for me, the ANSI B11 ISO thirteen eight forty nine, the ISO twelve one hundred. I mean, these are big, I'm just kidding. I have no idea what that is. I just, just read it off the sheet here. (laughs) (laughs) I I have no idea. He's a fast
1: learner folks. He's a fast learner. (laughs) Amazing. Yeah.
0: In in, in one 45 minute episode, suddenly I'm a safety. No, I have no idea. No, but in all seriousness, like, uh, just, just making sure that you're, you're, you have someone, whether you hire externally, or whether you have someone on staff to have someone paying attention to this stuff. And that's their only job. You can't have them having 75 other jobs. It's just, it's, you're, you're going to find yourself in trouble later.
1: Yeah. And focus on, on the people that are going to be working around that machine, uh, at any time, whether they're new, whether they're temporary, whatever that they know mm-hmm. how to operate that machine. And you spend the time with them and make sure that they, they can do it, do so safely. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, so Frank, we, we learned a lot today. Certainly there's more resources that somebody can, can get from mhi.org slash CONV for the conveyor and sortation systems group, uh, which is an industry group under MHI. There's a lot of other safety resources on mhi.org as well. If somebody wanted to uh, follow this podcast, how would they do so?
0: Well, I would tell you, if you're listening to the podcast and wherever you're listening to it, obviously subscribe. And uh, if, you, if you're in the industry and you've got friends in the industry, by like share it with them. There may be things in here that they can uh, they can benefit from and certainly, you know, in future episodes and past episodes of listening. So uh, we want a lot of people to know about this podcast because we think it's, you know, providing a useful service. So I would say if you're on your Apple, you know, uh, podcasts or whether you're on Google or whether you're on you know, Spotify or, or Amazon, we're on all the major platforms uh, and continue to work toward that. Uh, in fact, we're uh, Christian. We just had a discussion last week that we're we're going to start putting these things on YouTube so that guys can maybe find them there as well. Don't worry. Excellent. We're going to edit out my ugly head, but outside of that, uh, they'll, they'll be on YouTube, but, um, but yeah, all the major platforms you can find them, but please subscribe and,
1: uh, and share those with your friends. Excellent. Jeremy and Ben, thank you both for joining us today. And we look forward to, to hearing from you both in the future. Yes. Awesome. Thank you, Thank
3: you.
0: Thank you for joining the MHI Industry Leadership Podcast. Join us next time to learn more about the trends, technologies, solutions, and best practices that are moving the
2: industry forward.